Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. again and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and uh, as I have done in the past I'm looking today at Alex Watson's great book Ring of Steel um, that really dives deep in the first couple of chapters into this exploration of motivation uh, on the eve of war and how different social groups interacted in Germany and Austria-Hungary and and there's something really, really interesting in this, and I'm, I'm going to come to it in a little bit, um, but something I really wanted to share with you all, um, about um, the seeds of kind of national, well, uh, imperial disintegration in Austria-Hungary, and how nationalism became so um, such a powerful, destructive force to the empire, Um, at the end of the war Um, but we're going to dive in and look at how different ethnic groups from Jews to Croats were recruited and what this meant uh, as as far as the kind of the cohesion of the empire goes. So let's explore the uh, status and the motivation of Austro-Hungarian Jews uh, when it came to um, uh, enlisting in the army of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Uh, 
So Alex Watson writes, The Empire's more than two million Jews stand out as a special case, for they were mobilised on the basis of three identities. They were among the most loyal of the Habsburg subjects. Many revered Freyam Yussel, um, as Yiddish speakers uh, communities affectionately called Franz Josef, as the ruler who had granted them emancipation. Feelings of civic pride um, in Austria, too, were well developed among, among both traditional shtetl communities and the modernising Jews in the major cities. A second identity that propelled Jews to war was consciousness of their membership um, as a religious group and people. The fight against Tsarist Russia, which cruelly suppressed its Jews, was understood as a war of liberation, even a holy war. So it is worth say, stating here that um, before the First World War, Austro-Hungarian Jews are, are by and large um, some of the most uh, unpersecuted Jewish communities in Europe and some of the, the, the better protected. Um, and the, the contrast between life for Jewish people in the Russian Empire to life uh, for Jewish people in the Austro-Hungarian Empire is, is really quite profound. Finally, modernising Jews, due to their identification with one another uh, or um, uh, one or other of the monarchy's peoples, most frequently German, but sometimes Hungarian, Czech or Polish, often underwent a triple mobilisation. In the days following the outbreak of war, for example, a placard was posted on the streets of Krakow, addressing, uh, addressed to the town's Jewish population. Obviously, Krakow is the, the part of Austro-Hungarian occupied Poland. Um, Characterising the war as a blood feud between civilization and barbarism, between freedom and despotism, the anonymous authors urged their fellow believers to do their duty, not just as Jews, but as Austrians and also as Poles. In this historical moment, we, the Jews of the Polish lands, full of, un of unwavering civic fidelity towards the Austrian constitutional state, and paying homage to the still relevant laws and ideals of Poland, we ardently desire that these ideals will be fully fulfilled as quickly as possible. We wish fervently for the victory of the right and just cause. So it's interesting when, you, when there's this sort of binary opposition between uh, civilization and despotism, because I cannot imagine that Austro-Hungarian or Austro-Hungarian Polish Jews were looking towards France and seeing that as the source of barbarism. At this point in, the, in, in August 1914, um, even though some of those um, Jews would have fought on a front other than the Eastern one, there is only one enemy, and that is Russia. And for, for Jews of the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, knowing how their uh, relatives were treated in Russia, or their uh, contemporaries were treated in Russia, um, there must there must have been a particularly deep emotional um, uh, reaction to uh, to this uh, to the prospect of of a Russian invasion. When you look at the motivations of the German Social Democratic Party, uh, one of the key arguments in the German uh, SPD voting with 
the uh, the Kaiser's uh, government for subsidies for war was if if Russian though you know we we are working towards a, a fairer and more just society, and if the Tsar's soldiers march into Berlin, that there won't be one. You know, if you think things are bad under the Kaiser, just wait until you you are ruled by the Tsar of Russia. So this this kind of idea of uh, this this fear of Russia, which w was in, uh, entirely justified in many regards, um, was uh, was a, a kind of a key mobilizing factor. So now the the, the chapter moves on from talking about um, Austro-Hungarian uh, Jews uh, to look at the situation of um, Croats in. Um, the, the, the what it, what Mussolini and the Italian fascists were later called the Irredentalans. The appeals to national sensibilities through a cru um, though a crucial element in mobilising the peoples were not without drawbacks. As was familiar from peacetime, any incitement of national feelings could rapidly provoke clashes between rival ethnic groups. You have to remember, of course, Austria-Hungary is this multi-ethnic tapestry of different peoples. Fracturing wider imperial unity. This was exactly what happened in Fiume, today known as Rijeka, um, where already from August 1914, soldiers raised from the city's Croatian populated surroundings and proudly displaying Croatian colours were repeatedly attacked on their way to the main railway station by Italian speaking residents and police. The idea in a, in a city that is kind of ethnically divided between Italians and Croats um, on the eve of a global war, Italian residents felt more threatened by the fact that there were Croat soldiers waving their banners and marching through the city. Well, why? This seems absurd, but why did they feel more threatened by that? Well, because they saw what they saw wasn't an expression to them of Austro-Hungarian solidarity. Not that Italians in Fiume particularly wished to see themselves as Austro-Hungarian citizens, but what they saw was an expression of Croat nationalism, and the the focus, the more important focus, was to you know keep put the Croats down, you know keep them from stepping out of line because there was. A kind of a, a, a deep-seated, perhaps even kind of unspoken emotional um, belief that um, a, a, a an a assertive and confident and armed and flag-waving um, Croat uh, fighting force marching through the city was really just a voice, uh, a, a kind of like a signifier for Croat nationalism. Um, in one typical case, recruits who had pinned Croatian cockades and tricolours to their uniforms and were shouting up Austria, up Croatia, down with Serbia, were stopped uh, on the bridge into the city by Fiume policemen who demanded that they remove their insignia. When they refused, the constable with drawn sword lunged at one of the, uh, the uh, soldiers, ripping the colours from his chest and trampling them into the dirt trampling into the you know the symbols of the croat nation saying this is not croatia this is on one level austria-hungary but as far as i see it this is actually really should be italy 
and so when the Italian fascist um, denunzio uh, walks into with his troops, his his black shirts, marches into Fiume in nineteen nineteen, it's easy to see how it was possible for uh, you know how it was possible to create this sort of um, uh, kind of irredentist moment. Uh, based on, on what you see here in 1914. Other incidents involve gangs of Italian-speaking youths who, sometimes with the police's help, beat up Croatian soldiers and force them to remove their national badges. The attacks continued into, into the autumn, despite the army's protests. Needless to say, they were not conducive in building a feeling of Habsburg solidarity among either the mixed local populations or Croatian soldiers setting off for the front now this is the bit I wanted to tell you about this really really captures me and, and helps to explain an awful lot the lack, the lack of an Austria wide Bergfrieden now Bergfrieden is a, a German term that essentially means peace within the fortress or social solidarity or social truce it means one people together uh, armed and looking externally at enemies and not quarrelling within the lack of an Austria-wide Bergfrieden also meant that the bonds of solidarity strengthened within rather than between ethnicities. Right, so let's unpack that. You haven't got this, um, you haven't got this empire-wide solidarity between all peoples. You have various different groups saying, you know, we, we choose to serve the emperor, you know, as, as mentioned with... Um, uh, Austria-Hungary's Jews but you also have Italians that don't like Croats you have ethnic Germans that are suspicions of any ethnic Slavs within the, the empire and in the armies of the uh, Austro-Hungarian empire you have groups of Czechs, Poles, Italians Jews, Ruthenes so on and so forth who uh, and, and the bonds between them are intensified. This is all held in check by the fact that there is a central state during the war. But when the central state collapses at the end of the war, then you have these little little kind of nationalist cohorts who, and the experience of the radicalising experience of the war and the brutalisation of the war, um, makes them exceedingly volatile. So the war is, you take this kind of relatively stable multi-ethnic empire and pass it through the conditions of the First World War uh, and the, um, the emotionally radicalising conditions of the First World War and then it's, it's hardly surprising you get the outcomes that you do. So that was kind of what I was getting towards today. Political truces were called by rival factions in some national groupings. Thus, in Galicia, Polish parties came to uh, agreement on, um, and on the 16th uh, of August, jointly established the Krakow, uh, in Krakow, a Supreme National Committee. This was impecc an impeccably loyalist organisation, but it sought to advance Polish interests within the empire, hoping in particular to reform the dualist Austro-Hungarian structure into a trialist system, with Galicia joining the, uh, uh, joined 
to annexed Russian-held Congress Poland as the third Habsburg state. So, again, the, the you get this kind of concentration of Polish nationalism that is, um, it, it says, you know, for expediency's sake, we want the Austro-Hungarians to win. You definitely don't want the, the Russians to win. Only bad things happen when Russians march into Poland. If they if they win, we'll act as a kind of a third crown within the the Austro-Hungarian Empire um, and seize territory that obviously we're going to uh, annex from, from Russia. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To create a unified Poland. National interest groups also manoeuvred to improve their negotiating positions for the expected post-war reordering of the empire by setting up legions to fight along the, uh, with, uh, alongside the common army. An attempt by Josip Frank's Serbophone Pure Party um, of, the, uh, of the right to, stand, uh, to start a special Croatian volunteer formation was quashed, was quashed by Tisa, who saw it as the first step toward in a plan to create a separate Croatia from Hungary and realise uh, realize another trialist version, different from that of the Poles, involving the creation of a new South Slav state within the Habsburg Empire. So again, you know, when we look at the development of a Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia, South Slav state is what Yugoslavia means, um, th- there are there were already kind of moves towards that which are um, uh, discouraged because what the Habsburg um, state would like is for it to uh, it kind of emerge from the war in roughly the same shape that it entered it. What you don't want is to have um, Yug- a, a Yugoslavia. Or under Poland, within the um, dual monarchy, having kind of equivalent rights, because eventually the the power of the Habsburg dynasty gets watered down and down and down. Vienna becomes more and more of a kind of a, a, an irrelevance. 
However, small units of Ukrainian and Romanian-speaking volunteers were formed in Bukovina uh, and a Ruthenian nationalist unit, the Sikh Riflemen, operated in Galicia in the autumn of, from the autumn of 1914. This latter was 2,000 men strong, mostly intelligentsia, but with a smattering of peasants and workers. The Polish Legion was by far the most impressive of the nationalities volunteer forces, and also best illustrative of the Pandora's box opened by the national, national mobilisation at the war's start. The formation of the Legion had its roots in the pre-war intrigues of Polish exiles from Russia, foremost amongst whom was the nationalist, socialist, freedom fighter and revolutionary later Marshal of Independent Poland, Józef Pilsudski. In 1906, Pilsudski had offered the services of his conspiratorial group, the Polish Socialist Party Revolution Fraction, to Habsburg military intelligence, promising to supply information on Russian forces in Congress Poland in return for a secure base in Galicia from which to carry on the struggle for Polish independence against the Tsarist Empire. Then the offer was rejected, but two years later, after the Bosnian annexation crisis had soured, Austria-Hungary's relations with its eastern neighbour um, uh, had soured Austria-Hungary's relations with its eastern neighbour. A deal was reached. The PPSFR now combined with other Polish independence groups to form the dramatically named Union of Active Struggle, was permitted by the Habsburg army and the Krakow police without the knowledge of the Galician Stadthalter uh, or the government in Vienna to prepare for insurrection in, Pol in Tsarist Poland. Funded from the proceeds of a mail train robbery carried out by Pilsudski in Russia in September 1908, the group first set up terrorist schools which trained activists in skills such as bomb making. In 1910, when rifle clubs were made legal in Austria, thinly disguised paramilitary formations were also quickly founded in, across Galicia. Their membership was modest. By 1914, the two organisations sponsored by the ZWC uh, and uh, and uh, secretly armed by the Habsburg arm, uh, Army, um, Strelek in Krakow and Zvizek Streleski in Lvov, counted a generous number of uh, around 8,290 men. While the rival groups like the National Democrats Polski, Druzhny, Streleki um, uh, together uh, had a further 5,000. Uh, by the way, ZWC is the uh, initials for uh, the Union of Active Struggle. When war broke out, writes Alexander Watson, Pilsudski ordered his men to mobilise and distribute flyers around Krakow, claiming, not very convincingly, that a national government had formed in Warsaw and named him commander of Polish armed forces. The ZWC's riflemen uh, combined with their National Democrat competitors under his leadership, and on the 6th of August, the first mixed company crossed the border. The men in it were, as the other volunteers in 1914, mostly young, between 19 and 24 years old. Gentry and students predominated. The vast majority were not Habsburg subjects, but, a term they would have um, uh, hated, Russian Poles. The mission was uh, a total failure. The Habsburg army had hoped that, it, that they would at least cause disruption in its enemy's rear areas, and, at best, trigger an insurrection in Tsarist Poland. Instead, the unit, and others that followed it, were shunned by the local populace. No one gives us a glass of water, no one gives us a piece of bread, complained one of Pilsudski's men later.
The volunteers briefly took the capital of the Kielce region, um, but within days were forced to retreat. The Austro-Hungarian army, disappointed with the riflemen's performance, was at this point inclined to disband their units. Instead, however, an agreement was brokered with the mayor of Krakow and the head of the Reichsrat's Polish circle, uh, Dr. Julius Leo, to incorporate them into new Polish legions. The name was an inspired reference to the Dabrowski legions that fought with Napoleon and were venerated in Polish national mythology, under the supervision of a cross-party supreme national committee. Recruitment started immediately, and as in Germany, it was a broad range of young middle-class men brought up on the tales of nationalist heroes uh, like Dabrowski, who were the most who were the most responsive. In two and a half months, more than ten thousand recruits, many of them members of the Nationalist Rifle Associations, uh, were so uh, so popular in Galicia, had enlisted. So. This tells us a very interesting story, and again, it, it helps to make more sense of what happens in 1918 and 1919, at the end of the war, when you suddenly see the emergence of new nation-states in Eastern Europe, um, Poland, Hungary, uh, Czechoslovakia, um, and, uh, um, and, and Yugoslavia. Ha- the pressures of recruiting large numbers of men uh, to fight um, that had to be kind of what well, that were inspired by uh, nationalist rhetoric and ideals and it's interesting that that um, a great many of them were from the gentry classes and were students this is the the, the kind of the the source of kind of radicalism and idealism um in 1914, um, the, 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 the kind of the riots in favour of mobilisation uh, in Germany, as we've previously seen, it was young students, young, young men in Berlin. Um, and there is a kind of a tradition that runs throughout the 19th and into the 20th centuries of, um, the, of, of a radical nationalist intelligentsia across Europe uh, motivating at, at, uh, mobilising at these, these particular moments. Just to give you a sense of the 11,480 Polish Legion volunteers, um, 11, uh, 23% of them were craftsmen, 18% workers, uh, but if you put uh, students and academics, 16%, pupils, so literally school children, um, to, uh, at 14%, and professionals uh, uh, together, um, you get something in the order of about 40%. Uh, so there, w- there was a, a kind of the educated, the artisan workers and the the kind of the the middle classes were at, a, at the the kind of the forefront of this uh, armed national movement and the purpose of it wasn't so much to win wars for the Austro-Hungarian Empire it was to create a unified Poland it just so happens that there were um, that, that there were Polish nationalists that could see that the best bet um, was to aid Austria-Hungary 
Uh, and there was virtually no prospect of anything positive happening if you gave help and assistance to Tsarist Russia. So uh, I hope it's been useful for you today because I, th- I think sometimes when we're trying to explain the origins of, uh, of nationalist revolutions, the origins of these kind of major kind of upheavals and transformations in Europe, it, we, we're sort of having to deal with abstractions. We're having to deal with this, this kind of invisible, these invisible concepts. But when we can actually see on the ground how it was people were recruited, motivated, uh, and what they felt they were fighting for, it's, it's a kind of a great snapshot of the past that helps us to kind of interpret future events. Anyway, thanks very much, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.